I'm Brett Coleman, and you're listening to the Sounds of the Loom podcast. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm your host, Steve McPherson, and back with me now in the studio, at long last, Mr. Stacy Golub, <laughs> the one and only Cal Williams. Cal, it's been like at least two episodes, if not more, since since you've actually been here. You've been very busy, haven't you? I know. Well, you know, I had to talk to Jamie, which was yeah, a sorry chore. About that. So, yeah, I know. Yeah. What can I can say I talked to Brent, who might be a better co-host than you. Cool. Um, I'm fine with so, that. So yeah, I mean, you know, uh, he's a good-looking guy. Yes. He knows a lot about soccer, which we didn't talk about at all. Uh, which I, I know it's a lot of fishing. A lot but, of fishing. You're right poker. as well. Yeah. Deviously, exceptionally good-looking man. <laughs> really. And uh, we talked a little bit about the hair because he had sort of the long hair, and then he cut it short. Uh, and he was saying how it wasn't going to come back. So he's, but it, honestly, the look he's got going right now, it's just, a, it's just a really good. It's a solid. It's a solid look. He's really Asian into his look. I think. What so. would you say? Eight, nine out of ten. <sighs> well, you know, only because I think he has room. I'm going to give him an eight out of ten. <laughs> okay. I, I think it could get even better. But, uh, but anyways, if you saw any of the guys in their suits, this is the other thing. You know, this with the this new collaboration working with uh, Castle Rock, who are mm. providing suits for all the guys. They look. Really nice getting off the bus. They do. Yes. They, they look lovely. And uh, I believe that uh, the broadcasters are going to be fitted with them for next season as well. And I'm a very uh, I'm, I'm a very picky suit wearer. I like a European cut. Oh, okay. Can um, you describe a European cut for me? Um, tight. Okay. <laughs> That's probably right. the best way to describe so it. So no undies. Um, no undies. Okay. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> in ter- the, the, I think the best way to describe it, Steve, is that the, the legs are usually a lot tighter, whereas I think in... Um, at least from um, having you know watched American movies and whatnot from the uh, 90s and whatnot, the <laughs> the pants, the trousers are slightly more flary. It's incredibly baggy. Right. It's just ridiculous. And it's like that Kanye video. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's what I think of when I think of American suits. And, and I know nowadays that they are leaning more towards European cars. Yeah, it's gotten better. Um, but anyway, the, the reason I bring that up is because they look very European. I was slightly worried yes. um, that I was going to have to make alterations and be that guy. But, right. um, you know, I, I saw um, some of the chaps walking around uh, in their suits in, in D.C. And I thought, yeah, they looked absolutely fabulous. It's a good look. It's not it's not men's warehouse. It's not, you know, it's it's not the, yes. the, the baggy, you know, like. Thank goodness for that. Yeah. yeah. No, they were very sharp. Uh, it's, a good, it's a good looking suit. So um, let's jump. Uh, we've discussed men's fashion, uh, <laughs> so I think we're ready to move on. From Conquering there. the world already, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like to begin with a discussion of VAR. Where on earth do we go from here? Yeah, we go right to VAR. And uh, I want to emphasize, first of all, that nothing I say is the opinion of the club. <laughs> nothing Cal <laughs> says is the opinion of the club. Um, but I also want to emphasize that I'm not really calling into question the correctness of the call that went against Minnesota United against RSL. Yep. It is correct. Yep. Darwin was offside. Correct. Um, I don't really have a problem with making sure you get calls right as an idea. Um, I know that a lot of people, a lot of people talk to me on Twitter about uh, VAR's implementation in the Bundesliga and in Serie A where they feel like it's, it's, it's being done better mm-hmm. um, than it is in MLS right now. I also want to emphasize that 
you know, MLS is just a, is less than a year into really using VAR, I feel like, right? Yep. Um, and it's going to take time to figure this out. So I want to talk a little more sort of philosophically about the idea. I'm sure Cal will have his own uh, opinion to, to bring to this. Uh, I think there's two things that are really fundamentally in tension, uh, and I mean in space tension, when you're talking about looking at replay review in any sport, because it's a thing that they do in um, football, mm-hmm. American football, it's a thing they do in basketball. Essentially, you're trying to balance getting calls right, which involves a really careful look at the physical space of the game, of replays from different angles, of things moving slower than they moved in in, in real life. Sometimes that can exacerbate what looks like intention from the players or things like this. You're sort of balancing that against the experience of the game itself for the players and for the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's worth asking the question – like, at what point are you shortchanging the spirit and the culture of the game itself uh, and its history in the service of something that's correct but sort of dries it out, you know? An example, like, we were talking about this in the office. Think of the hand of God, right? We still talk about that today. Yep. I prefer not to, but yes. We, it, it, but the thing is, is that that is an example of, we also talked about this, it's like there's almost no better thing. There's the jubilation of a fantastic win in sports and then there is getting sports angry. And those are like one and two in terms of what the experience of being a sports fan is, right? When you're denied the chance of getting sports angry about the game and you're instead sports angry about the officiating <laughs> or the – I mean, and this happens all the time. Everybody's going to be mad at the refs all the time, right? That's that's the way it is. Yep. Um, it's good to get sports angry at injustice to your team, right? Like mm-hmm. the hand of God is one of those moments of – it, greatness, but also injustice. It's the same game as, as Maradona's amazing run, right? Like those two yep. things go hand in hand, right? If you start trying to pull apart, like where the butterfly flapped its wings in terms of the butterfly effect, it gets, it, it sort of just dries everything out and you lose out on some of that culture. So that's, I'm going to start with that point and then I'm going to hand it over to Cal and see what he has to say about the well, air. Well, so before I go off on, on my opinion, um, the question I have for you, Steve, what would you prefer? Would you prefer to be sports angry or official angry? I would much rather be sports angry. Right. I don't want to be sports angry at officials. I want to be sports angry at the other team. Yes. Uh, And I think that the thing is, like, when you remove – like, I was – you know, I feel like the the game ended on Saturday night and everybody just kind of felt like, well – you know, like it just sort of mm-hmm. felt like uh, this This is not ending with a bang, but with a whimper. You know, like yep. you, you had four minutes of reviewing the play, not even clear exactly what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. And then th- then everybody who's all these athletes who've been going hard for 87 minutes ha- and have stopped now for four minutes, have to go back there and play four minutes of stoppage. And the game just had no continuity at that point. Mm-hmm. It just felt like neither team was really in it. You know, it was like if something had happened at that point, it would have felt – you know, if RSL had pulled out a goal in those four minutes, like we we would have been angry, you know. But I also feel like if if that goal had been allowed to stand and then in the review you find out that it, it, it was offside, like yep. Darwin was offside, then RSL gets to be sports angry at us, mm-hmm. right? And then that that layers things in for the next time the teams play. Like if, if you – instead it feels like the teams have no relationship now following that game. Like it doesn't build the story of, sure. of this competition, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like sports angry. I completely agree. Um, this is totally the title of the podcast, by the way, already. <laughs> <Sports angry. laughs> um, so a couple of things here for me. Um, number one, 
the the uh, term of phrase that we have been told since VAR has come into this league and every other league is clear and obvious. Right. Now, I completely agree with you. Darwin is offside. It's the correct decision. My issue here is if it takes you upwards of four and a half minutes to review something, is it clear and obvious? Me, personally, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. We're going to sound like we've been a little petty now by saying that, but look, at that's, that's my opinion. That's, I don't think it's clear and obvious. My biggest issue that I have with everything right now, I was irate with the officials, and I always, I always try and give the officials the benefit of the doubt they do a very, very difficult job that, that very few people actually want to go and do. Um, but for me, the, the, the situation that we had, I, I'll explain from our point of view from, a, from the broadcast booth. So Miguel scores the goal. We're all celebrating, we're doing the call, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we're told they're reviewing something. And we're like, right, okay, so what happens then is my producer Morgan is in my ear saying they're reviewing something. Right. I'm then expecting him to tell me what they're reviewing. Nothing comes. Sure. For a long time. Right. For at least two minutes. And you're on the, like, you can't, you can't be like, Morgan, what's up? Like, you're on the air. We're on the so air. So you're relying on them to just, you have to wait. You know, you can't So <laughs> what about what, what happens here is there's an internal Slack channel between the league, um, the VAR people on site, the, the league people in New York also watching the game, and both sets of television producers. There is a, a Slack channel where they communicate when things like this happen. All that was communicated from the officials to the broadcasts were play under review. That's all that was said. Yeah. And both producers on each side frantically typing, like, what, what's going on? Then after two, two and a half minutes, as I said, we hear from someone that's called the Red Hat. Now, for those unfamiliar, a Red Hat is basically someone who works for the television is broadcast. Is that Is that... Yes. Okay, I'll throw that. <laughs> right. So the Red Hat is someone who works on the television broadcast and is basically the liaison between the broadcast and the, the officials, the referees, the fourth officials, linesmen, whatever. Okay, so this person is responsible for communicating. This person okay. is responsible gotcha. for communicating between the two different sets of parties. Uh, for example, if the players are late coming out, the uh, Red Hat will inform the producers of both broadcasts that your talent has to fill for a little bit because we're running late, or vice versa. He will tell the referee, TV's running late, hold kickoff for 20 seconds or whatever. You know, mm -hmm. that's the role of a Red Hat. We were told by the Red Hat, who had spoken to the fourth official, that the play that was under review was a, a potential foul. Okay. That's what we were told. So then we say, we're hearing there's... A potential foul here. Yes. That's why this is under review. And then you're looking at where what is a possible. So then, foul. We, I, you know, I was watching the game. I exactly. Saw, so, we yeah. were looking then, and we were like, "Where is the foul? We can't see anything anywhere." And poor old Kindred D Saint Auburn trying to figure out and analyze what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and provide her expertise in this situation. There's, there's nothing there. There's no foul anywhere. Jamie Watson, bless his soul, is trying to do the same as well. And I can see from our booth, he's looking at his monitor, yeah. scratching his head, that there's no foul anywhere. Right. And then the play continues on. The goal is disallowed. The play continues on. And we're like, 
I remember saying I was utterly perplexed. We have no idea why this has been disallowed. <laughs> right. Then, finally, a minute later or so, my producer Morgan gets in my ear and says, we've now been told that Darwin was offside, and that's why the goal has been disallowed. So we go back and we have a look at the replay again. And yes, you can see, and I wondered this when we had a look at the replay, Quintero does come back from an offside position. But when I first saw that, I thought to myself, they're not reviewing that, they're reviewing a foul, so I'm going to push that to one side because yeah. that's not a part right. of the situation. Right. So then, as I said, eventually we're told that they are, they've, they've reviewed it for an offside and, and that's it, the goal has been disallowed correctly. The goal has been Correct. disallowed for right. offside. Right. But my biggest issue here, Steve, is there has to be a better way for the officials, for VAR, to communicate not only with the broadcast, but with the people inside the stadium who also, for a good four and a half minutes, had absolutely no idea what was going on. Right, right. I Like, you know, as we're not in the stadium, right? But I've, you know, imagine being in a stadium where this is happening and you're getting nothing. Absolutely. You're like, you're getting sort of incorrect information. You're yep. trying to fill in that those gaps, you know, and which sort of leaves you guys hanging. But if you're at home, you're listening to you guys at least discuss it. If you're in the stadium, you're just like... We're just sitting here. Yep, and we have know? no idea what's going on. Like, and, and they're trying to decide if they're going to go to their cars because they're like, the game's almost over, you know, like... It, 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 honestly, it was one of the most infuriating feelings I think I've ever had because yeah. the, the one thing which I don't like to do, and I was just speaking to one of the journalists outside um, uh, training earlier this morning as well, and I was saying... I, the one thing which we were forced to do, and I hate doing it, was we were forced to speculate. Yeah. Because otherwise we would have been sitting there for four minutes... Completely silent. Yeah, what do you do? In that situation, we have to say, well, maybe they're doing this, maybe it's because of this, because how else are we going to cover it? Yeah. So that's... Uh, honestly, Steve, I was I was furious with, with the officials and the lack of, of information that we were given, because as well, and I went, you know, back and forth with a few people on, on Twitter about this as well. Um, I to, to me, you have to give the information to the broadcast as quickly as possible because there's an audience at home wanting to know what's going on as well. Yeah. So I, I just, you know, I, I'm all for, for, for backing referees and, and, you know, I know, I know they have a tremendously difficult job. But Absolutely. This, this system now, this VAR system, we have to figure out a way to make it better, to, to make it more easier to work with. Yeah. What, and, and, and look, I, I like Howard Webb. I get along with Howard Webb. We have had a beer or two together before. I, I like him. I appreciate everything he's done here. Why is it working so well in other leagues? Right, yeah. And yet we're still having issues like this here. Yeah. Again, I completely respect what the referees do. Yeah. But we have to come to a solution here where information, the correct information, is passed along to the broadcast and to the people in the stadium as quickly as possible because that was simply unacceptable on Saturday. Yeah. Well, it was, and it's one of the things that basketball, I, I, I don't know if it's completely right. I think there's always going to be, it's never going to be perfect because again, you're trying to like adjudicate something that's very judgmental in a lot of cases because you're judge, you know, the offside is a fairly distinct spatial relationship question, right? But there's also going to be questions eventually of intention and what players meant to do and were they, were they, was that a headbutt? on purpose or was it a headbutt on accident? And some yep. of that stuff is very difficult to tell. You know, I think the first place I remember replay review was, was football. The thing about football is that it is very stop start as, as, yes. as, as a sport. It, you know, you, you line up, you change the people, uh, you go, it stops, you 
take the guys out, you change the guys around. It, it moves in this way that I know people get mad at replay review in, in football as well, but it's sort of inherent in the game is like this sort of do something, evaluate, do something, evaluate. It's like, you know, it's like full contact chess, basically. In basketball, when they first put it in, it, it, was, it was slowing down games and it was a problem. Then they started having a centralized place that's in New Jersey that is just covered with monitors. Right. Uh, and they have r- officials who are reviewing stuff constantly there. So when it's called for, somebody is already looking at it. And I know they have a VAR booth. Like, the, there, there's something along those lines going on with, with, with soccer, uh, with MLS. Yes. Um, so that when the referees in basketball go to the sideline to look at the, the, the monitor, they're being shown stuff that's being streamed from there. They're getting information. That information from that central hub, I believe, is being relayed to the broadcast. So yep. They know exactly what they're looking at. Um, and they've cut down on it to the point where you now have a pretty quick transition of at the end of a half, if there's a shot made, immediately it's going to review. Right. And then within seconds, you're sort of hearing that it was disallowed or that it was a three-pointer instead of a two-pointer. You're mm-hmm. hearing that stuff immediately. This is even more important in soccer because soccer is a sport where the clock never stops. Like, it doesn't stop for anything um, except for the half, right, and yes. the end of the game. Given that that quality of the game, which is this unrelenting forward progress of time, to sort of suspend it for up to four minutes, I mean, when there's injuries, that happens, Right. It just it just ruins. I mean, I talked about it sort of ruining some of the the history and the culture of the sport in terms of like the judgmental. It, it's a judgment call. There's a lot yep. of judgment calls. It it just sort of ruins the texture of the game because again, you ran into this thing where you had five minutes of like abstract not playing soccer, and then yeah. five minutes of you know kind of soccer, and then the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like you're 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 violating some of the, the the sort of philosophical underpinnings of what the sport is about because I think the nonstop action is a very important part of the sport. So, again, I think it's a thing that just needs to be worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to be looking at other leagues uh, and, and seeing how other leagues have done it. Uh, one last thing I want to say about this. Uh, did you see uh, Jerome Tiasone's sequence of tweets that was about this goal? No, because I was on the air, obviously. So it I was. Uh, well, I thought maybe you'd see it after. Afterwards. I didn't see it until like I think it came up as my. I, as I've, moment, I've heard so. about it, but I've not seen it. So I, it was just one of those. I mean, Jerry is terrific. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we'll have him on the podcast soon because he's great fun to talk to. Yes, he was obviously um, injured and not in the lineup for this game. So uh, when when Miguel scored the, his first goal, you know, he had some sort of like go, like let's go, mm-hmm. this guy, let's go get another one, and then like you know, I think it was three minutes later, he just posted the Kermit gif of Kermit going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and you saw that, and then like a minute later, it was the gif of Barack Obama just sort of going, "What? What is? What is this?" Oh, you geez. know. And then All the right. one after that was um, uh, Gollum from Lord of the Rings just going, ah! you know. <laughs> so it's like the sequence of watching it was like Jerry's. He's a good. He's got a gif artistry to his sequence of tweets. It just sort of summed up that entire little sequence. Well, which is terrific. They they all sound incredibly accurate. Yes. So well, well done, Jerry. Good, good job, Jerry. Um, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about not that part of that game uh, in terms of Real Salt Lake. A couple of things that st- stuck out to me. Romario Obara looked really good. Yep. Um, I want to touch on some of the other people who looked really good. But he's obviously – he came in not in 90-minute uh, soccer fitness. You know, it's taken him a while. And he showed some good stuff coming in off the bench. Uh, obviously, he had to sort of shift around, go up top. But some of those runs from sort of behind the defense, like heading right at goal, 
He looked really good. Mm. It was very encouraging. What, what was your takeaway on him? You're right. Encouraging is the right word, I think, Steve, because he, he certainly gave Minnesota another option. I don't think any of us really ever pictured him operating as a, as a centre-forward as he did. Sure. But his pace enables him to do that. And there were a couple of times, I remember talking about it on the broadcast, actually, where uh, Calvo playing at left-back, who I thought was was good at left-back as well, by the way. There were a couple of passes that he sprayed forward or the outside of the boot and whatnot, a couple of lovely angled passes. The reason he was able to do that was because of the runs Ibarra was making. And I think this has been something that Minnesota have, have lacked, um, arguably, since they've come into Major League Soccer. You know, they've, they've perhaps had one or two opportunities with Abu Dunladi, but he's still very much learning his trade. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, if you look back at uh, previous forwards that Minnesota have had, you know, Ramirez never really sort of had the pace to, to make these kind of runs. Uh, Rodriguez, I, I don't think, has the pace to, to do these kind of uh, maneuvers either. So, um, you know, I, I think Romario Ibarra offers Minnesota something that they've not had before. So I thought he was, you know, he was clearly playing with confidence as well, coming off the back of scoring against Guatemala for Ecuador, uh, got a run out against Jamaica as well. So uh, I, I'm a big believer of, of players going away on international duty as well, Steve, because, you know, a new environment can often spark sure. flame under, under a player. It can you know, potentially give him something different to think about as well, whether it's on the field or off the field, you know. So, look, I thought Romario was really good and um, it's good to see him now starting. You're right, he came in a little out of shape and, um, you know, it was good to to see him finally starting. And, uh, look, I think he's going to be a very good option moving forward. Yeah, I think there's a lot at stake for him also down down the rest of this, this season in terms of what he can be. Um, next season, absolutely, um, you know, and, and sort of proving himself in that way. There's going to be a lot more depth coming in in that winger position, mm -hmm. you know, because next season we're going to be looking at, you know, Finley being back, uh, Molino being back, the two Ibarras, yep. Ibarra. Ibarra. Um, I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I think that, you know, I think that, and I think we, we talked about this, we were actually talking about this a little bit, uh, watching training about um, Demir Krylak and um, Albert Rushnak uh, for Real Salt Lake and how they have some sets of interchangeable skills, yep. but you never know who's going to do which thing. I see some potential for, for the two Ibarras, my two Ibarras, um, because, you know, Miguel has shown that ability to sort of read the space that Darwin can provide as Darwin is sort of holding it up and looking for that play. To have guys on both sides, you can mm. make those runs, but you never really know which guy is going to do it. Um, it some of that redundancy can really be good, I think, in terms of soccer, where you've got guys whose whose skills aren't just complementary, but in some ways, either of them can do it, but the defense has to plan for both of them to do it. Yeah. I think that can be really important. Absolutely, and and for what it's worth, like I, I thought, uh, Rishnak was was tremendous. Yeah. I thought it was fabulous. You know, there's a reason why he's got ten goals this season. You know, and and I expect him to add to that number before the end of the season. So yeah, uh, I mean, terrific. I resent a guy named Albert being really good at the sport. <laughs> It just seems like if your name's Albert, you should not should be, be a math teacher or something. Yeah, maybe, right. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. But um, the the one player who I thought has been um, outstanding since he's come into the fray for Minnesota though has been Fernando Bob. Yes, I wanted to talk about him and Calvo a little bit, both for some of the same reasons for those those long searching passes forward. But, yeah. But begin with some Fernando Bob I, I appreciation. Just, what about Bob? Well, the you know the thing is that he he offers Minnesota something that they've not had since they've come into Major League Soccer. And we, we spoke about it briefly on, on the, the last podcast we did together. Like three um, weeks ago. Which was an eternity ago, yes. Um, <laughs> and um, what he does and what I appreciate about, him, appreciate about him so much is he is a proper number six. 
where he does sit in between the two centre-halves and drops and always looks for the ball, looks for the space. He's so calm under pressure as well. But everyone knows what he's going to do straight away. If, if he can, he will always knock the ball long. He will always try and find uh, the, the big frame of Angelo Rodriguez. He will always try and play over the top for whether it's um, the Ibarai or Dunlady or whoever to, to latch onto. What that does, that forces the opposition, whoever that opposition is, and their back line to drop. They have to. Mm-hmm. They have no choice. Right. What that then does is it creates a tremendous amount of space in front of them for Darwin Quintero and whoever plays that number 10 role. So this, again, I, I think will, will really benefit Darwin Quintero moving forwards. I'm really excited, Steve, on Saturday to see how it how it is implemented in, in a home game as yeah. well, So, yeah. um, which I'm sure we'll get on to later, but I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that Fernando Bob is here. He's offered Minnesota something they've not had for a very, very long time. Yeah, I think that, and again, this speaks a little bit to that redundancy sometimes, because I think Calvo out in that left-back position found some of those seams to play those balls forward. Mm-hmm. So you've got two guys back there who are threats to find, to go over the midfield and find guys in between the midfield yep. and the back line. Um, and I think that can be really important um again fernando bob i'm I, I, he looked good i'm i like the pairing with maximiano mm-hmm. um again two guys who have some overlapping skills but maximiano also seems uh, a little more eager to get forward so yep. if he's can be somewhat defensive minded but you've also got bob back there that's really good um what did you think of you, they essentially ran out four center backs across the, the hmm. back four. What, <laughs> I mean, that, a lot of that was necessity. But um, it was an interesting look, I thought. I thought Wyatt Amsberg also, I should mention. Yeah. Some really nice some really nice work there. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Wyatt started again against Portland, to be honest, because I think he's been tremendous the last few games. Mm-hmm. So, um, look, when you've got four center halves on the field, it's not exactly great for balance. But, sure. um, you know, uh, I, I think the, the game plan there was obvious. Michael Boxall went forward once or twice, and I actually joked to them after asking him if he actually had a nosebleed, um, <laughs> but uh, um, the um, above the half, yeah. above the, the, mid, the midfield line. Yeah. The, the plan was obvious there, uh, as we've mentioned Calvo already several times. Um, he, we know Calvo is a good footballer; like he's good with the ball at feet. Yeah, um, which can't be said about every defender across world football. But Calvo was given the license to sort of join in and go forward from that left back position. So then that meant the three to the right of him would tuck in. And there you have the three centre-halves again for yeah. protection. You've got Fernando Bob just ahead of them as well. So sure. um, I thought it was um, as stable as Minnesota United have ever looked, to yeah. be honest, um, yeah. from a defensive point of view. So um, you know what you're going to get from Michael Boxall. He's a, a constant pro. He's he's always going to give everything. And I was slightly concerned when I saw that he was going up against Joao Plata. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, uh, I think he's... Uh, the king of pests, um, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, but I thought Boxall matched up well against him. So I thought it was a good outing for Minnesota United. And again, I'm intrigued moving forward against Portland this coming weekend, just how Adrian and the coaching staff are going to play this one. Because we know now it's crunch time. You have to start winning games. Yeah. The road stretch didn't give the coaching staff what they wanted. Yes, they got one or two positive results at LA and RSL. But... Ultimately, everybody left that road stretch firmly disappointed. Yeah. So now we're at home. We know that's where we play our best football. Amongst that atmosphere, tremendous crowd, wonderful fan base, who no doubt will play their part moving forward. We have four home games remaining. Yeah. 
for me, we have to win every single one of them, and it starts this Saturday. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're we've now tipped over into for you know we were sort of we have a lot of road games left. Then we were four and four. Now we've moved into we have a majority of home games left. Yep, it is a chance to end the season on a real high note, headed to Allianz Field in terms of yes. results. Hopefully that builds up. You know, we're shooting for those fifty thousand people there mm-hmm. for that final home game against the Galaxy, which uh, should be incredible. I can't like, wait for it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited about that one. So. Um, let's talk about, here's what I want to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about Portland coming up. Let's talk about Ibrahimovic's 500th goal, Oh, the, which was branded the Taekwon Golazzo, um, <laughs> I believe by Matt Doyle. So, uh, it, it's funny because I remember watching the last game he had played and how desperate they were to try to get him that 500th goal, uh, down the stretch. Didn't work out for him. Uh, they didn't want, you know, we, we were sort of, I was idle with, there's idle, uh, speculation there about, you know, does he want to, you know, like if he got a penalty, is that the way oh. you want to score your 500th goal? Fair to say that would be how Zlatan would want to score his 500th goal with something that is just a ridiculous shot. It just... If you have not seen it, it's like a roundhouse oh. kick. I mean, it's like a Jean-Claude Van Damme finish <laughs> into the goal. It was ridiculous. It just oozed Zlatan, didn't yeah. it? The, 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 there was nobody else in the world who would have done that at that moment. Right. Um, to, to have the sheer audacity to even think of doing that, Steve, when the ball comes over the top, any other player would perhaps let the ball come across their body and then strike it or even take a touch. Yeah. But the fact that he's, he's hit the ball when it's still behind him, and as you <laughs> mentioned, in this sort of semi-taekwondo-style yeah. kick... And it's flown past the goalkeeper like he's hit it with such power as well. Right. And just inside the, the post. Just inside. I mean, the, the goalkeeper was rooted to the spot as well. Yeah. nothing he could do about it. Yeah. Only Zlatan Ibrahimovic could conjure up a moment like that. Yeah. And we are so, so lucky to all say that we were there when he scored his 500th goal. We we watched it. We saw it. And we, we all were a part of this league when that happened. And it's going to be one of those moments, Steve, when... You know, in 10, 20 years, we look back and we say, do you remember that Zlatan goal? Yeah. We're still going to be talking about it, it you know, yeah. and it will forever live on in the life of Major League Soccer, no doubt. Yeah. I think it's, I really appreciate that. I think we discussed this before, like like Wayne Rooney's um, approach. Maybe I talked about Jamie, talked to Jamie about this, but the sort of Wayne Rooney, I mean, this is obviously the season of Zlatan and Wayne Rooney, right? Yes, As yes. the sort of two, the two big stars coming into to MLS. I appreciate that they have each been so different in terms of, of how they've affected the team. Like from what I've heard about Zlatan, he he has helped out the locker room feeling in, in the galaxy. He's a tremendously charming guy, but he's also, you know, he's there for himself. Like yes. let's make no bones about it. Like, and you see it in the way he plays even against Minnesota United, you know, he sort of was attacking boxy kind of bodied him up. And then he, and then he was like, well, I'm not going to do that. And he fell back, but he was getting the ball all over the field. And he was yep. obviously the guy who was saying, well, this is how we're going to do this. This is where we're going to go. Uh, Rooney has, has come in and been like, I'm hard-nosed. This is what I do. I'm going to do everything I can. And I think in a, in a different way has spar- sp- um, sparked, spurred, sparked. Both work. Sparked. Yeah. Sparked to believe <laughs> <laughs> in D.C. United. Obviously, Acosta has benefited tremendously yes, from him. Has, yes. um, it, I, I like that we have both these kind of players at the same time in the league and in some ways opposite in what you would think of as work ethic but but both are 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 pulling results i mean obviously the galaxy are not doing as well as dc united have done but uh 
it's just fun because I think that one of the knocks on on MLS is a lack of of, of personality, of identifiable mm-hmm. approach within teams. And I think this is the kind of thing that only sparks that that progression towards teams having identities and a sense of of this is how this team plays and this is what they want to do and this is their marquee star. And I think that's really just important for fans getting into the league. Absolutely, and and we need more characters like Zlatan as well. You know, we, I'm not quite sure he represents a villain, but. You know, I could certainly see the argument for it as well. Yeah. He looks like a villain, doesn't he? He looks like a Bond villain. Yeah, he does have that. Yeah. <laughs> just needs a cat on his lap, doesn't he? You know? And yeah. I, I could see him being a Bond villain. But... Well, I feel like Zlatan's got... I mean, Wayne Rooney's kind of got the Daniel Craig Bond thing, right? Yes. And I think maybe, like, Zlatan has the Sean Connery Bond thing. Uh, if, if, <laughs> if Zlatan's going to be... Like, let's say Zlatan's an, a good guy, right? Okay. But sort of a, a little bit of a, like, I don't know if I can trust this guy. You know, like... It'd be like the... Um, 006 and Goldeneye. Yeah. Which right. Bond or whatever it is, you know, yeah. Yes. Was that Sean Bean? Is that that right? was Sean okay, Bean, yes. Yeah. My favorite Bond movie ever, by the way. <laughs> My favorite <laughs> Bond video game is Goldeneye. Oh, Goldeneye, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Throwing the hat with Oddjob and whatnot. Was he, was, he was so cheap. Oddjob was shorter than everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was under where the auto aim was yes, yes. for for the gun. So it was just cheap to use Ajab. I read an article recently because it's one of the anniversaries of that game coming out. And all the developers were like, yes, it's cheating to use Ajab. Uh, absolutely. You <laughs> would just go up and just like start chopping people with right. and you just couldn't get anywhere near him. It was yeah, just yeah. It was it was frustrating. It's, anyway. <laughs> it's an amazing hang on, we're going down this road. Um <laughs> It is an amazing thing. If, if Seek out, there are a couple of different articles about GoldenEye now, but mm. it is amazing. If you're a person who plays video games these days or is even passingly familiar with them, it is amazing to go back and read the accounts of how that game got made because it, nobody knew how, what they were doing. You know, this is like, this is before Halo. This is before yeah. like first person shooters on consoles. And they made the, you know, they made the whole game. They got, they got like access to the assets from the movie and they could like bring stuff in. Some of the faces on the people that you're, that are in the game are like faces of the developers. Like they put themselves in oh, as really? scientists <laughs> and, and all this stuff. And they, they got it all working. And then as it's coming down to the wire, they had been messing with the multiplayer, like to, to, you yeah. know, the sort of the legendary mode of this game. And they only managed to sneak in at the last minute because they sort of, it was all done. And the developer was like, sure, I guess, fine. You know, like the, the, the or the publisher was like, okay, I guess we'll put in multiplayer. Right. And it became the entire like raison d'etre for playing that game Absolutely. is to get in front of a, a screen with three other friends and play the split screen version of it. And, you know, it was just like, it, it, it's, it's crazy. It was like the team of people who made that game is like, a dozen people. Yeah. You know, now there's like hundreds of people working for game companies. So it was just, it was just incredible. I like, I, it's still one of my favorite games. Yeah. Uh, d- nostalgically. Absolutely. Very, very different era of yeah. video games. But if they were to ever remake it, I would love to have Zlatan's face on somebody. We could probably fit Zlatan in there somewhere. We should do. We should, do you reckon we should perhaps mail the, the game developers and see yeah. if they would. Yeah. I'll see what we can do about that. Um, okay. Moving on from, I don't know where that where that was. Moving on from wherever that was. Let's just touch briefly on on this this game coming up this weekend. Yep. I am excited because we have had five away games. Uh it was three games followed by two weeks of abstract, you know, nothingness mm-hmm. and then a double game week. Which means that, like, it, it's just such a relief to go into a week going, we're going to training on Tuesday. Yeah. We're going to write a preview. Yeah. We're going to have a, a home game on Saturday. It's going to be at 7 o'clock. Like, there could there could not be anything more normal about this week. Yeah. And that's great. It, it's great to wander back into the realm of normality, isn't it? I, I must admit, Steve, I am exhausted. I, you also I'm, got married. Well, that, right. We didn't which even also get to touch on that. So, yeah. That's 
you know, having five away games and getting married in the space of what was it, six weeks, yeah. seven weeks, whatever. I, I don't even know. I, I, I don't know where I am. How was the wedding? Fabulous. It was. It was absolutely staggering. It's you know, people say it's the best day of your life and all that, and I'm very quick to sort of dismiss that kind of thing. Yeah. But but it was. It was great, and you know, you you have anyone who's who's been married will, will know you. You have a, a room of people who you've cared about all of your life, and some of them haven't met before, and yet they're sure. all here on the same in the same room or on the same patio or whatever. And what what meant the most to me, Steve, was the woman who essentially raised me, my grandmother, who was an 87 year old Irish woman. Um, she she made the trip to Kansas City, That's and amazing. she hates flying. Yeah, she she literally she's so scared of flying from England over to Dublin. She hates it. But yet she flew to Kansas City from a, from a wedding, and, and that meant so much. And it was just so bizarre seeing her. So on on the th- so we had the wedding on the Sunday, but a lot of people got into town on the Thursday. So Thursday evening we had um, you know somewhat of a get together with everybody, um, out of town guests and, and people who live in in Kansas City and whatnot, and um, loads and loads of friends and family. And it was just so bizarre. I remember at one moment, pe- people couples have always always said to us, and I think you may have said this to me as well. At one stage during the whole uh, few days, just step back and take a look. Yeah, yeah. And and so myself and Stacey did. Um, we, we took over this one bar called Harry's in, in an area that we used to live in called Westport. And we overtook the, the patio, basically. And we looked out and I would, uh, I would see, this is the point I was getting to, my grandmother talking to my wife's brother. Yeah. It just so bizarre like two worlds clashing together yeah but it, it was tremendous you know we had the rehearsal dinner and everything and um the the wedding day itself was great we had a sort of a, a warehouse venue type thing we got married on a rooftop and the weather was lovely nice um, i saw the photos they looked great thank you it, it, it wasn't too you hot looked great. as well i mean your wife looked much she's just but... the most beautiful woman in the world and, yeah. and, and i was so so happy and it really was the best day of my life it was amazing and it just but the only thing steve it just goes by like that, doesn't it? It just goes by so quickly. Did you get to eat, or was it like, I mean... We, we got to eat. Okay, that's good. The, Usually just people are talking to you, like you have to talk to everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it, it, there were some people I didn't even get a chance to talk to, but yeah. either the wedding organizers, you know, the people who run that event space were tremendous, and, um, you know, Terrace on Grand, for those wondering, that they were, I'll give them a little bit of publicity, they, they, sure. were, they were absolutely wonderful. And uh, the only thing now is, Steve, is... Now you got that ring. It feels really strange. Yeah, you get used to it. Yeah, I, I've gone to grab a cup of <laughs> a cup of coffee a few times, and I've thought, oh, what's that? Ah, yes. right, okay, that's what it is. is. It, and, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's it gives great. you an extra percussion instrument. You can also, if, if people are clapping, you can just tap your ring on whatever you're holding. That's very, very helps. true. It's a, little, it's a little classy. So that's such a bloke thing to think about, isn't it? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> How can we skip actually doing something? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the weddings are amazing, and it's, it does bring all those people together. I'll just say quickly that at my wedding, my wife. Uh, sister met uh, one of my good friends and then they got married a year later. Oh, no started, way. It was, it was actually <laughs> not the actual wedding. It was sort of like the after wedding party sure. the next day we had. But they, they were both people where we were like, how can you have not met? Like mm. you you guys are both very social. You sh- and then they now they're married. They, got, they have three lovely children. No so it, it brings people together. Absolutely. And speaking of things that bring people together, uh, this match against the Portland Timbers, which yes. we got away from. Um, the Timbers have, they had a 15 game uh, unbeaten streak, Correct. I believe, going on. Correct. And then now they've, it got a little. It got a little away from them recently. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you expect to see out of them? I mean, they're obviously in the hunt. Uh, they want to get those three points. Yep. What do you expect to see from them? I think they'll come to Minnesota 
wanting to claim all three points. And I know that's an obvious thing to say, but sometimes, you know, when, you, when you're on the road in this league, you, you do play for a point. And um, I've been very impressed with Giovanni Savarese and, and his leap from the old NASL to, to Major League Soccer. And, you know, he's, he's proved his critics wrong. Uh, there were a lot of people that said he, he wasn't good enough for this league. And it was a big job. Yeah. Well, let's not forget yeah. that, you know, for, for a while they were towards the top end of the Western Conference and yeah. uh, doing uh, stupendously under Caleb Porter, finished top of the West last year and whatnot. You know, they they have been a force to be reckoned with for many a year now. So he took over a big job. And I'll be honest, I don't think anybody could have done any better than what he's done right now. You know, it took him a little while to get going. But mm-hmm. the, 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 the fortunate thing for... For Gio Savarese is that he had an absolute plethora of um, of jewels to work with. Yeah. Diego Valeri needs no introduction. 2017 MLS MVP yeah. for a reason. Sebastian Blanco, I think this has been his best season in Major League Soccer as well. Mm-hmm. And they even brought in a centre forward, Armenteros. They even brought in a centre yeah. forward where they were that comfortable with selling Fernando Adi, yeah. who for years has been their top goal scorer. Yeah. So... And, 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 you know, put that all together and, and, and they've still got a tremendous uh, defensive midfield duo, um, particularly with Diego Chara as I was well, gonna say, who's, no, who's brilliant. No meeting of the Holy Midfielders Appreciation Society exactly. would be complete without mentioning without Diego, Diego Chara. Without Diego Chara, yeah. exactly. The, the defence have, have got over their early season woes as well. So I think they're a stern unit and, and I, think, I think they'll come and, and counter. I think they'll box in. Um, quite significantly, to be honest. I, yeah. I think that going at them in the centre of the park I don't think is really going to be a, an option. I think Minnesota can get the best of them from playing out wide. So, again, if it's the two Ibarras playing there, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But then, again, as I mentioned, if Fernando Bob is playing, which I, I don't see why he wouldn't, um, again, if, if this game plan continues where he lobs it over the top and, and there's that space for Quintero, mm-hmm. we could see a goal from Quintero again. And... You know that that would um, that would really like to play sub, wouldn't it? Yeah. Again, a goal from Quintero. And I'm just so excited to be back home, Steve. I, I really am. It's going to be great to see so many people there. Um, I believe it's what 25,000 again, maybe maybe even more. Um, yeah. So it, it's going to be great, and um, I, I think I think this is a real opportunity for Minnesota United as well. We, we know it's obviously difficult to get to the postseason now, but it's it's not impossible. Sure, we've seen stranger things in this league. Yeah, uh, look at DC United for example. Yeah, right. So yeah. I'm I'm just incredibly excited to be back home, and I really really can't wait for Saturday. Yeah, there's a lot of evaluation left also for the team. I mean, I think that Adrian has has alluded to this that you know going forward. You know, you're going into next year at Allianz Field. He expects to have, I think he said, like, you know, five to seven new players, Absolutely, hopefully. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so anybody who's here is playing for a spot, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and and trying to play to be in this team's plans going forward. Yep. So, you know, even at the point where the playoffs become mathematically impossible, um, if and when that happens, there's still a lot to play for. I think there's a lot to be said, again, of, of, of ending strong on this sort of home streak of having a bunch of home games left. Um I think there's 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 a lot to play for, um, and it's just gonna be fun to see him out there, um, again in, in TCF Bank Stadium, and a little yeah. bit of that knowledge that we've only got a couple games left before we're gonna yeah. see him in Allianz Field. So. Well, that's what I was gonna say as well. Is it's, it's almost the start of the goodbye process now to TCF Bank Stadium, isn't it? And, yeah. And we will forever be grateful to to the U and and to the 
the people running the stadium as well. Um, yeah. You know, because it's it, it has been our home for the last two years. Yeah. You know, and it's going to be um, you know it's going to be quite sad saying goodbye. Obviously, yeah. we're, we're moving on to bigger and better things. But I mean, you know, or I say that. Well, there, yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I say that with all due respect. You know, yeah. and. Um, I, I really think TCF Bank Stadium has been a, a tremendous home for Minnesota United over the, the last two years. And um, it is just going to be sad to say goodbye. But, you know, again, I, I think um, I think the fans have, have really made it yeah. the... Um, you know the fortress that it that it has been. Our, our home record is one of the best in the Western Conference, yeah, so yeah. there's a reason for that. But you know the one thing I will say is that Minnesota United need the fans again. We need you. Yeah. You know, four home games left. The, the two away games you can only do so much about. Sure. But the four home games, for me, we have to win them all, and they are all winnable games. Yeah. But we have to start it with I think what will. What will probably be the the second most difficult task. I think the most difficult home game will be New York City FC, mm-hmm. but. That seems fair. That's, you know, another topic to discuss at a later date. But Portland Timbers will, will be a tough task, no doubt about it. But at home, I, I really, and I'm not just saying this, Steve, because of who we work for. I would back Minnesota United at home against anybody in this league. Yeah. I, I really fancy yeah. their chances on Saturday. Yeah, certainly that home record is, it is one of those things you look at. I'm not going to start a whole discussion about this now because we're almost done. <laughs> but, um, you know, you think about it. If if the away record even looked like an average away record, yeah, uh, yeah. the home record would would look even better, and you know we'd be up there. So you know that the that's something for another time. We'll just end here. Thanks <laughs> for joining us for the 28th Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next match is on Saturday, September 22nd, against Portland Timbers FC. I'm going to use the whole name. Sure. That match kicks off at 7 p.m. Central Time. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating. You can follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal Williams at CalWilliams.com. I don't think he's – you're not changing that for for Marion Stacey. (laughs) Cal Golub. Golub's a good name. Golub's a good name, but Williams is better. Okay. Maybe. Actually, uh, well, yeah. I hope she doesn't listen to this. (laughs) And you can follow me at Steve Venturis. And remember – There's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.